of the world if they'd escaped their mother's apron strings, but had that been the case, their story would be too commonplace to hold much interest for an ardent reader. Their only significant contact with their peers happened in the small park that had been created from a water meadow donated to the village on the occasion of the Queen's Silver Jubilee. The gift had been made by an international agribusiness keen to catch the eye of the Prince of Wales, and besides, the field had no significant agricultural potential since it lay within an oxbow of the piddle and so could not be aggregated into one of the prairies so beloved by commercial farming. The park contained a football pitch, a tennis court, an adventure playground, and, thanks to an American couple who had moved into the old schoolhouse, a rudimentary baseball diamond. Whenever school was out, the field acted as a child magnet. Little was formally organised, but there were always pick-up games of one sort or another into which the junior Morlands were readily absorbed. Cat particularly enjoyed any sort of ball game that included rolling or sliding in the dirt. Cat progressed from tomboy to teenager without showing any academic or sporting distinction whatsoever. Her enthusiasm seldom lasted long enough to produce any solid results. Often her mother despaired of ever managing to shoehorn a French irregular verb or a simple algebraic equation into her daughter's brain. After a nature walk, Cat would rather sit round the fire telling ghost stories than discussing the flora and fauna they'd seen in the woods and fields. She made notes when her mother insisted, then promptly mislaid them. Whenever she could drag their lesson off track, she did. In a history lesson, Annie would suddenly realise that instead of learning about Tudor foreign policy, her daughter was making the case for Henry VIII's much-married state. Faced with constant failure, Annie tried to find an explanation. Perhaps Cat was one of those individuals whose right brain dominated, making them creative, musical and imaginative. Does that also include being utterly incapable of focusing on anything for more than two minutes at a time? Her husband asked with mild exasperation when she outlined this theory to him one night as they retired to bed. Who knows if she's musical or creative? She says she loves music, but she never practices the piano. She says she loves stories, but she never finishes any of the ones she starts writing. She can't be bothered earning pocket money because there's nothing she wants to spend it on. All she wants are novels, and she can get as many of those as she wants from our bookshelves and the library bus. Honestly, Annie, as far as I can tell, she inhabits an entirely separate universe from the rest of us. She's a completely dozy article. And what kind of future is she going to have? Annie tried not to admit pessimism into any area of her life, but where her eldest daughter was concerned... It was hard not to let it sneak in through the slightest crack in her defences. One that requires no qualifications other than a good heart, Richard Morland said, rolling over and punching his pillow into submission. Look how good she is with the little ones. Catherine will be fine, he added with more confidence than his wife thought he had any right to. That, she supposed, was where your faith came in. Cat, meanwhile, was sleeping the sleep of the unconcerned, lost in happy dreams of adventure and romance. The details of her future never disturbed her interior life. She was serenely convinced that she would be a heroine. In her mind, 
all her life had been a preparation for that role. That wasn't to say there wouldn't be obstacles. Anybody who knew anything about adventures knew there would be stumbling blocks aplenty along the way to true love and happiness. Their families would be at war, or her beloved would turn out to be a vampire, or they would be separated by an ocean or an apparently terminal illness. But she would triumph and conquer every barrier to a satisfactory ending. The only problem was how these exploits were going to get started. Years of ranging through the back gardens and living rooms of Piddle Wallop under cover of childish games and pastimes had convinced her she knew all there was to know of her neighbours. Of course, she was entirely mistaken in this assumption, but her blissful conviction was unlikely to be overturned while she paid more attention to the inside of her head than the secrets of those who surrounded her. As far as Cat was concerned, she knew nobody who was likely.